Welcome to life on earth. Welcome to life on earth. Welcome to life on earth. Well, hello there, you good people, and welcome to life on earth. A fine Thursday to you all. And apropos, apropos of the Halloween weekend coming up, holidays right around the corner. I want you to keep an eye out for. E2R in the chat says new hat. If you've ever seen the thumbnails that my producer puts together, it's usually a picture of me in this felt hat. And the felt hat came up again today because of the person who gave me the felt hat. Well, they are part of the story. We'll talk about that in the episode, but thank you for asking. Again, apropos of the Halloween holiday, Monday is Halloween, and even the UK now, at least according to news stories I shared earlier this week, are more and more celebrating the Halloween holiday. I want you to keep an eye out or keep an ear open for woo-hoo. See, on Sunday the 23rd, this last Sunday, Amy Nacer and I, had we had a fun time, despite some minor technical difficulties with our Sunday show, discussing my thoughts. Top five tips for happiness. And this was just a fun one. I just dashed off what could well be my top five tips for happiness. And interestingly enough, I got called out for it. Specifically for one of those five tips I gave. One of the five tips was proclaimed woo. Now, if you know woo, today's scientific term in intellectual circles for irrationality or mysticism. They just call it woo. So let me give you my five tips for happiness. I'll just do a quick version of this, quick list. Five tips for happiness. If you haven't already seen the post in Facebook's The John Galt Line Group, see if you can guess which one of these five earned me the acquisition, acquisition, accusation of being a woo-meister. Okay, my Accuser didn't use the word woo meister, but he should have. Here's five. Which one is the woo? Number one, think. Be focused, purposive, rational, logical. Number two, presence. Practice heightened awareness, intentionality, mindfulness. Number three, gratitude. Do not take yourself, nor your time, nor your values, your opportunities, or anything else for granted. Number four, ownership. Practice extreme ownership. Take responsibility, not as a duty, but as an opportunity. And number five, loyalty. Take care of those you call your own and keep good company. People are just the best. And that includes you. You are the best. Practice love. So which one would you guess I was called out on? It was... Item number two, being present. Ah, see, E2R gave the right answer. (laughs) Richard in the chat says, I won't say because it would be cheating as I'm a member of that group. It's nice to know that the John Galtline group has a lot of people involved in it. If you are an objectivist or somebody with a serious interest in Ayn Rand's ideas and you're on Facebook, that is a group that you should be part of. Great conversations and posts and back and forth. Um, Yes, Equal to Reality says he's a member as well. Now, in accordance with tip number three, which is gratitude, I'm grateful that I was called out. No, seriously, if you've never been criticized, you're playing it too safe. 
you're not pushing boundaries or you have no reach. Your circle of influence is too small, too insular, too echo chambery. And it is easy during a casual podcast to fail in keeping some degree of rigor. Even though our Sunday show is very, very casual, it, it shouldn't be sloppy. Uh, E2R says, uh, oh no, Chandler. Chandler is in the chat and says, be present is top tier advice. I agree. He says it literally changed his life. I agree with that too, but I will be revisiting that tip number two, be present. I've decided that I'm, I'm going to give a really compelling answer, even though Chandler just gave me a two-sentence version of everything I have to say. <laughs> but if I'm going to give a really compelling answer, I should present it here on Life on Earth. Because given that this is the Ayn Rand Center UK's YouTube channel, and even though as my channel mate, Jonathan Honig, regularly points out, none of us are Ayn Rand or even Leonard Peikoff, so we do not speak for objectivism. Still, here on the ARC UK channel, I will be extra motivated to address it seriously and make it good. And for that reason, it ain't happening today. Remember, this just blew up you know, this week. Really, yesterday was when I said that online. That's why it's not happening today. Now, now hopefully you, my loyal listeners, We'll listen in next week when I expect to talk about presence. No, in answer to the controversy, I said in the John Galt line that I would be presenting instead an easy, light, fun, pleasant piece of cake topic, loyalty. Now, I'm kidding slash not kidding, since I know many people are suspicious of loyalty given the concept is sometimes used in an appeal to blind faith, blind followers, duty, self-sacrifice. But loyalty is a crucial and invaluable concept. It is a concept which, as I asserted when I discussed honor and joyousness and benevolence and trust and the sanctity of life, it is a concept which objectivists should own. You know, James Valiant and I, uh, not yesterday, but last week, discussed the value of people, you know, other people in one's own life. And we reviewed four questions on the topic from Leonard Peikoff's collection, Keeping It Real. A, a spoiler alert. We started with the question, well, do we need other people? And in the end, the answer was, well, yes, we do. I mean, sure, the right kind of people. And with all of the expected and unexpected caveats, but yes, we do. And in connection with the value of people, I want to read a bit from the 1976 course, The Philosophy of Objectivism, which was presented by Leonard Peikoff. This was from Lecture 9, Objectivism and the Moral Foundations of Government, Leonard Peikoff speaking. I want to underscore that a very crucial aspect of justice pertains to the issue of justice to the good, the virtuous. Conventionally, people often think that justice consists only of punishing or condemning the evil while remaining neutral or indifferent toward the people who are good. Now this stems, this is still Leonard Speakoff speaking. 
Now, this view stems from the idea that evil is metaphysically potent and fear-inspiring, whereas the good is impractical and yawn-invoking. On the objectivist view, however, it is, if anything, more important to praise and reward the good than to condemn the evil, to speak up and to fight for the men who are right and who represent rational values. Granted, the evil must be fought and condemned, but then brushed aside what counts in life. And this is the issue, of course, of the potency of virtue. What counts in life is the good. They are the men who create the values of life, which life requires. They are the men mankind relies on. They are the men whose virtues and achievements must be acknowledged above all, if justice is a virtue and if life is the standard. So it is important to tell Plato, for instance, that he is wrong. But it is more important that Aristotle hears somebody who recognizes that he is right. It is important that James Taggart not get away with the fraud that he runs Taggart Transcontinental. But it is more important that Reardon find someone who can understand what he is achieving. The first duty of justice is to acknowledge and defend the good. And in this respect, I might point out that the whole of Atlas Shrugged is a passionate act of justice, unquote. Again, Leonard Peikoff, 1976, his lectures on objectivism. And hi, Stephanie, who I see in the chat. And just a bit more, a bit later in the same talk. Now, let's apply justice to the case where you do have some kind of personal dealings with a man. You seek a value from him or he from you. What does justice mean in that context? This is where the traitor principle enters. The principle of dealing with men by exchanging value for value, by mutual consent, to mutual benefit. Unquote. Again, the top takeaway, one of the top takeaways for our whole discussion today is that quote from Leonard Peikoff. The first duty of justice is to acknowledge and defend the good. If you remember nothing else but one of two ideas from this whole episode, this is the one to mentally tattoo on the inside of your cranium. The first duty of justice is to acknowledge and defend the good. Speaking of the good, I have a good coffee cup here. How cute is that? Because uh, in the chat, I'm being asked, where is the coffee? So that's what she said. Love that. My uh, missus gave me that coffee mug. The first duty of justice is to acknowledge and defend the good. Well, let's apply that to loyalty after I call you out because we are defending and acknowledging the good. Thanks again to the Ayn Rand Center UK for hosting this show. I really want to shout out the organization and the people behind it, keeping things up and running. And if you're not already a member, all of you listening out there, please join up at aynrandcenter.co.uk. Click membership at the top. We'll put a link in the chat. You can click right on it and become a member if you're not already. I love seeing all the stars in the chat because that means you're also members of the Ayn Rand Center UK YouTube channel. Brings extra fun to being a member. Thank you for that. Now, what is loyalty? Allegiance, fidelity, faithfulness, consistency. 
you know, related concepts are honor, integrity, trust, and trustworthiness. Now, I know loyalty has a, a failure mode, ways of getting it wrong. But that's all the more reason for rational, virtuous men and women to get it right. Loyalty isn't duty. Loyalty is the antithesis of duty, even an antidote to duty. You know, in Ayn Rand's usage, the meaning of the term, I'll quote Ayn Rand, the meaning of the term duty is the moral necessity to perform certain actions for no reason other than obedience to some higher authority without regard to any personal goal, motive, desire, or interest, unquote. So allegiance can be rational or irrational, earned or unearned. Uh, an obvious example today is nationalism versus patriotism. I mean, I know those words mean different things to different people, but in the sense relevant here, nationalism is love of your nation because it's yours. And that makes it great. Patriotism is love of the nation because it's great. And that makes us grateful that it's ours and want to earn that right. Uh, and we have our first super chat, which I didn't mention, but super chats do support the ARC UK. Thank you very much for that. Richard says, wouldn't loyalty be an extension of integrity? Uh, I will at one point say that not the whole definition, but loyalty is integrity in practice. Uh, so you are absolutely right to uh, point that out and ask that question. But there are things that you do out of loyalty that it just doesn't make sense to say I'm doing this out of integrity. They have different meanings, even though they are related. There's a challenge in the concept of loyalty for introverts like me. We're super shy people. And I want to acknowledge this because I don't think I'm the only super shy introvert person in objectivism. I'm just putting that out there. But if you're anything like me, you know it's challenging, even uncomfortable to, th to think of myself as having my own circle of people, you know, circles of family, a circle of friends, a circle of peers, you know, workmates. Yeah, I bristle at concepts like tribes. You know, people will say, who's your tribe? You know, which so many people have adopted because we use the concept tribalism and the idea of a tribe, of a, a primitive and irrational allegiance is, that's a bad thing. But whether owing to introversion or a misapplication of independence, it's comfortable to reach out to people or not. <laughs> whether it is or not, I do have a circle of people who I can count on and who can count on me. And whether you feel that or not, I'm here to say so do you. You have a circle of people who you can count on and who can count on you. Now, how wide that circle is and what it looks like in practice, for some of it's more of a challenge. For some of us, we're extremely gregarious and, and we, we uh, engage with everybody. But I'm here to tell you, none of us have a zero on that scale. Even if you rarely go out or see other people or call on other people to help you out. Now, to be loyal in that context, to be loyal is to stick. To be true to your values, not your abstract values, which we all have and which is a precondition, but your concrete specific values. 
If integrity is living your ideas in practice, then loyalty is doing so in regard to your top personal, specific, concrete values, and especially your people, your spouse, your children, your family, your friends, your peers, your circle. So here's what I want from you. Make a list. Make a list of your people, your circle, top five or 50 who have got your back. Who are the people you could call on? Even if you think, well, but I'd be in a position and no, they wouldn't welcome me calling on. Even if you're super shy and you balk at the idea, make that list of the top five or more. Who's got your back? And who are the people who you've got theirs? If your car broke down, you're in the middle of nowhere, who would you call besides you know, the motor company or AAA? And include pets. Absolutely. Incidentally, that's a good reason to be healthy and wealthy. Uh, it's easier to take care of your people if you are well and able. I've said a few times, one of the great things about objectivism is it enables you to become extremely successful financially on top of everything else. If you care about your circle of friends, you want to have their back. And it's much easier to do that if you are professionally successful. But one great way to lose something valuable. I said before, you should have recipes and scripts. You should always know how to achieve a result. And one of the great ways to to focus that is to figure out how do I achieve bad results? What's a recipe for disappointment? There's a script you can follow, an absolute recipe. The recipe is you get a big mixing bowl. And what you put in that mixing bowl is expectations of how an event or a thing needs to be, how it needs to go. And you, and you wanna fill the bowl up with as many specifics as you can. The event won't be satisfying, it won't be good unless I don't make any mistakes and everybody comes who I wanted to come, and my clothes are comfortable that day, and the weather is good that day, and this recipe. It's a recipe, and it never fails. It always gives you the result. The great way to achieve disappointment is decide in every detail exactly how it's got to turn out for you to be satisfied. Well, the point is there, there's a great recipe. Um, one great way to lose something valuable, how to lose something valuable is, Take it for granted. Works every time it's tried. You know, don't feed your dog. Don't water your plants. Don't take care of your house. And don't tell your friends that you appreciate them. Don't show them that you're there for them. Don't stick when things get rough or even just inconvenient. Don't stick. Why do I like that word stick? If you haven't seen it yet, you must, must see the film Only Angels Have Wings. Old film, black and white, don't let that stop you. you know, starring Cary Grant and Gene Arthur. It also includes Rita Hayworth. And there's a scene, a minor spoiler alert, it's not the major plot, but there's a scene in which Rita Hayworth is going to pieces over a very difficult situation with her husband. And Cary Grant chastises her for losing her cool. 
Uh, it's funny because that's where the line Judy, Judy, Judy comes from that people often quote Cary Grant as saying. He never actually said that. It's not in the film, but the character's name is Judy and he does chastise her in just that way. If you know the scene, he's pouring a bucket of ice water over her head to bring her to her senses and get her attention. She's been drinking and she's very upset. And Cary Grant chastises her for losing her cool. They too had previously been in a relationship, so he knows. His criticism is, you know, that's your problem. You don't stick. A failure of loyalty. Yeah, I like the vernacular. I like that expression. The film Only Angels Have Wings is a tribute to values, values in general and loyalty in particular. It is a must-see. Kindred spirits. Kindred spirits are as valuable to discover as they are difficult to find. And if that's so, and it is, they should not be risked or given up lightly. If that is so, then fierce loyalty is the order of the day. You know, this week, my, uh, my daughter's car developed a leak. And it's a leak where you don't want, I guess you don't want to leak anywhere in a car, but it was a leak in the fuel tank. It was leaking petrol, gasoline. I have to say petrol first because we're on the Ayn Rand Center UK. You know, show your hosts their props. And, and that meant she needed help getting to and from work, which is a long drive. It's not practical to Uber it twice a day. And everyone in her circle, save for her parents, were very, very busy. So rides were very hard to find. And right when all of this happened, her stepfather developed COVID-19. Uh, a couple of days after that, her mother caught it. So now my, my daughter works in a hospital. So even if they had been willing and able to offer rides, that just wasn't going to be wise. So it fell on me to play chauffeur all week. Now this was quite a burden. And an enormous opportunity. You know, not just to show off my extensive knowledge about automobile maintenance and arranging repairs while shopping for a newer car and show off all that stuff I know, but an opportunity to exercise loyalty in action. An opportunity not just to live up to my values, but to live my values, you know, not just abstractly, but viscerally in action. To be there when I could be of value to somebody I deeply care about. Is that not a gift? That was a gift to me. To stick. Happiness tip number five, loyalty. Take care of those you call your own and keep good company. You know, you know, I like I like guitars. That's why there are guitars in the studio here. I like cars. I like homes and electronics and music and vacations and money. I really like money. I respect wealth, you know, my own and that of people who are far more prosperous than I am. But people. People are just the best.
People make all the rest possible. People make all the rest possible. You know, in Ayn Rand's novel, Atlas Shrugged, the protagonists are fiercely loyal to their values and their kindreds. And it's not just, they have integrity. Loyalty is what integrity looks like when applied to specific values in circumstances which test your commitment, your allegiance, your trustworthiness, your mettle. In The Fountainhead, Howard Rourke is fiercely loyal to Gil Winant, you know, even more so than he is to Henry Cameron or Mike or Stephen Mallory. Uh, spoiler alert, recall that in an instance of what Ayn Rand describes with the expression, love is the exception making, Howard Rourke tells Dominique, Dominique is finally coming to Howard Rourke. And Howard Rourke tells Dominique to wait until Gail has recovered from the events at the climax of the novel. Even though that meant Rourke waiting to be with his own highest value. And Wynand might have met a different end if he had been able to be less loyal to the secondhand values, which were the product of his particular power-seeking you know, rise to prominence, and more loyal to his love and admiration for Howard Rourke. Be loyal to your people. Be loyal to yourself person at the center of your circle. Be loyal to your own values. This is the way. This is a recipe for good living. This is a good life on earth. <laughs>